What's up, everyone? Welcome to this edition of Hiring University. It's me, John Beck, your host again today. Welcome to 2021 and our first episode of the new year. Today, we welcome Dia Obeid, President and CEO of JobDiva. If you're not familiar with JobDiva, they are one of, if not the leading cloud platform, ATS plus CRM solutions that integrates major job boards, VMS solution providers, business analytics. There is a ton of functionality in this tool. As full disclosure, Ursus is a happy customer and have been for the last three years. Dia has been at the helm of JobDiva for 20 years. And prior to his joining JobDiva, spent 24 years at a leading staffing firm based in New York. So over 40 years of experience in the staffing industry, needless to say, Dia has a lot to offer, and we will get it right into it with our questions about the industry, about where it's been, and more importantly, where it's going. Dia, thank you for coming on the show, and welcome to Hiring University. Thank you for inviting me, and it's nice to speak to you again. I wish it was in person, but uh, be it as it may, under today's circumstances, we're still delighted to be uh, talking. Hopefully within the next 12 months, the next time we meet, we'll be in person. For our listeners who aren't familiar or as familiar with JobDiva, can you give an overview of the company and the product and where you fit within the staffing industry? We came out with JobDiva somewhere around 20 years ago. Actually, that's when we started development and then we launched it in, in 2004. And prior to that, my background is staffing and technology. So I had an early career in technology, followed by uh, staffing. And uh, by the late 90s, when I realized that we have, we embarked on developing technologies internally for our own use, that's not available on the market and that's innovative and uh, different from the traditional solutions, I realized that we should probably launch a product to the market. So we started developing in the early 2000s, and naturally we had to use an architecture that's going to be cloud-based architecture, that's going to be a multi-tenancy architecture, uh, architecture that will service uh, several clients, so it's no longer an in-house system. And uh, that's how the genesis of uh, JobDiva came about. I'm personally passionate about both technology and staffing, though my education and career early on was technology. That's what I went to school for. And therefore, I'm passionate about leveraging uh, technology for an industry that I spent a good amount of time. When you launched the the platform, did you build multi-tenancy and cloud-ready? This was 2004, or did you have to migrate from an on-premise solution to cloud solution? Yes, and to, to, to my knowledge at the time, we were probably the only product on the market, not only in staffing and recruitment, but even in spaces like CRM and the like. Yes, because even up until then, companies spoke of versions of software, or oh, I have versions so-and-so, and I have versions. And the moment you hear versions so-and-so, you know that the provider is not providing one platform. They're providing multiple platforms. I developed considerable significant systems in the financial industry. So I was very conscious of the importance of having a single solution 
So we embarked on developing service, not much delivering software, but delivering service. And the service ought to be one. You know, if you have a if you have a mobile phone from Apple and I have a mobile phone from Apple, it is expected that they are the same, you know, uh, solution for both. And if uh, if we exchange our phones, we're supposed to be able to use the same capabilities. So there is one job deal that can be configured for separate clients. There are naturally permissions and options. But at the end of the day, the full product is available regardless when the client joins. You were very much ahead of the curve. I've spent most of my career in what I refer to as the plumbing side of the internet and data center and managed hosting and worked prior to starting Ursus for a managed service provider that specialized in hosting software as a service, cloud-based solutions. And I can recall the frustration we had with clients that were still holding on to on-premise or single-tenant versions of their software. And even today, when I look at the work that we do on behalf of our clients, there still is so much legacy that has yet to convert to a cloud-based platform. That has to have been back then and still today a huge competitive advantage for you, I imagine. Yes, and it's naturally the customer ultimately is the one who's reaping the benefits because they are not being shaken by releases and upgrades. They're actually being delivered a solution that everyone else uses and it's seamless. It's uh, like lifting the phone at home, the traditional phone we used to have and getting a dial tone all of the time. Utility, that's right. That's right. You and I are speaking. I'm in California. You're in Manhattan. Your offices are located in the heart of the financial district on Wall Street, actually. During our preparation call, uh, you noted and actually took your webcam and pointed out the window, commenting on how radically different the landscape looks with the buildings around you since the pandemic started. Having been in the staffing industry for, for, for the decades that you have been, what do you see the future look like? Because it's going to change for you know the white collar worker, but also the impact on blue collar and now the gig economy workers. What do you think the future looks like for us over the next few years and beyond? You, you know, a good deal of what I would say probably have been heard before by others. I, I'm not sure I'll be able to introduce something you might not have heard, but I'll tell it in my own version as succinctly as I can. Um, we people in my place or where I where I came from historically, I, I knew digitization and the web had uh, got us much closer and had enabled us to be local regardless of how remote we would be. I knew that. I knew that even before Job Diva. Uh, and and that's why job diva and and I think the pandemic had accelerated this. Uh, like you said, you're we're on different sides of the country. We're like in the office next door, and our staff, our contractors in the field, likewise, it's no longer an issue of geography and uh, proximity, and um, it it. I think the impact of it is more on the way people operate and interact. So we do interact more digitally today than before, naturally because of the evolution of technology, but also the pandemic 
had caused us to have lesser personal interactions. We're also doing more meetings, so we don't have the time to make one-on-one calls as much as we used to, and therefore we're resorting to texting and email. And I I think, uh, contrary to the general perception that high touch competes with digital, I think they are incredibly complementary. And I think the empathy and high touch has become far more important than it used to be when we used to have the time to call and talk and visit than we do today. So from the office standpoint of view, where we individually are located had been rendered irrelevant. From a uh, contractor standpoint of view, I think we got closer to the contractors Mm. because the contractor has become accepting of us being wherever we are and wherever they are. Yes. So I think this had accelerated the evolution. In New York, uh, the talk is that many of the commercial buildings are going to convert into residential buildings. And and it will be and they will be inhabited by people who do similar work to the work that you and I and everyone else does. And uh, as a background, New York City had a larger population uh, 60, 70 years ago than it had today. So the fact that there will be lesser utilization of office space doesn't mean that that there will be lesser uh, people inhabited in urban areas. Uh, So urban areas will still be very populated. But it's the way we communicate for work that's uh, evolving. I think it's ironic that you mentioned your opening comment was we've gotten closer to our contractors and have have we're now in better touch with them, I think is what you said. Yes. Which is ironic given the fact that we're now distance and not going into offices together. I just I read a, a research piece from staffing industry analysts last week, and I think it was published by Monster or one of the other job boards that said 30% of recruiters, which include staffing companies and in-house recruiting teams, 30% still cite that they are struggling with the virtual interview, onboarding, overall life cycle experience. That number seemed really high to me. It, It suggests that there are some companies that are doing much better adapting than others and reacting to support work. What have you seen that's working and what's not and, and, and what clients have adapted? What, what, what are you seeing and, and for your own business and for your clients? I mean, there, is, uh, there are verticals, for instance, in industrial labor, low-skilled labor were clients. And I'm speaking about not the JobDiva clients. I'm speaking about JobDiva's clients' clients, mm-hmm. the enterprises' uh, clients. The enterprises are expecting the staffing company to meet the worker or or even supervise the worker on site, whether the worker is in a distribution center, warehouse, construction site, or the like. That has not changed. Technology is not going to change that. It's not going to change that. But what technology has done, it it had made many of the things much easier. So instead of working in, walking to onboard someone, instead of expecting them to walk into a kiosk 
to fill either digital or paper forms. Now it can be done online, real time, and it can be done by via mobile. And and that's where uh, that's the, our biggest focus uh, at JobDiva to make it uh, much uh, swifter for people to be digitally enabled and be it friendly. I think we as humans never thrive to do repetitive mundane jobs. We also thrive to want to do intellectually intriguing jobs. So uh, technology and digitization is going to help the worker in the field, is going to help the recruiter and everybody focus on the creative aspect of their job rather than the mundane repetitive job that has been that's being digitized and automated. I think the opportunity is, if you believe that the digitization and automation does level the playing field for companies, it's now who can leverage and be the most creative with the technology that's out there. There's always gonna be innovation, there'll always be gaps that need to be filled, but I don't think anyone can make the argument today that it's not possible to support, whether it's white collar or blue collar, remote force, We've proven it in the last 11 months. Um, it'll be interesting to see what innovation drives forward. There's obviously a lot of investment and interest in AI and other technologies, many of which are billed as a panacea for things that I don't think are realistic. But I do think that there's... Usually, whenever you see, you observe a, uh, a fundamental change in platforms and deliveries and designs that usually is leveraged by the applications and the innovators among them are always looking out there scouting to what changes in the market at large whether it's in in technology in finance in distribution even law legal matters and you know washington might pass a certain regulation and that could have an impact on the way processing happen. And as a technology provider, you should be tuned in immediately to leverage it and adopt it. So I can provide a couple of examples from the past. In our case, we were probably the first product that online interacted with Verify, I9 verification, online verification. And when we did the integration with the office, with the government, with the federal office for I9, verification, employment verification, uh, they they picked up the phone, called us and came over to our office where they had, we had federal consultants, federal employees coming into our office to observe wow. what have we done? Because as you can imagine with the amount of hiring that goes through the JobDiva platform, yes. overnight they saw an avalanche yes. of uh, of interaction going on between us and them. And we were lucky, we worked with them in debugging some of the features that were provided through their APIs. So we had a very good relationship with them. And as a, as a solution provider, that's what you're really looking for. You're looking for these opportunities to leverage, to create uh, value to your clients. Uh, the focus of a of a solution service provider or a technology provider like us, uh, we work on two tracks. One track is the customer-centric track where we're tuned into the customer and their needs and we're reacting to their requests. And then there is innovation uh, 
I would call it company track. Let's not call it innovation because mm-hmm. both could be innovative. A company track, a product track, where the client is not asking you to deliver something, but you know that there is something that you need to do to bring value to the client. This is usually a struggle internally within the company because we have those people who are very client-facing yes. and they're always getting their cues from the clients and their needs from the clients. And then there are those who are product-focused and are not interacting under the pressure of the client. So the future is very interesting. If you were to ask me at any point in time in the past, would I be where we are today? It would have been very difficult for me to tell you exactly where we would be. Mm. Likewise, in the future, because we're part of an environment, uh, a world that surrounds us, and we're, we're influenced by it, whether it's our clients or whether it's the evolutions that are happening in arenas that could have an influence on our roadmap. I appreciate the comment on customer-facing versus company back-office, call it what you will, and the struggle there. It takes real discipline as a leader to make sure that you're continuing to invest in the infrastructure. It's not as glamorous, right? It doesn't have the impact. You're not going to write a press release about it. Uh, Your customers, in most cases, won't even know. But if you don't have that foundation, you can't build all of the fancy stuff on top of it. And that's tricky. It's a very difficult balance. And I think the average consumer of cloud services isn't aware. There's so much innovation that's happened year over year, decade over decade. Case yeah. in point, multi-tenancy, right? The average cloud consumer has no idea what that means, but yeah. multi-tenancy versus single tenancy was a game changer that made so much of what we have in front of us today possible. Yeah, I mean, that, there is, uh, speaking of the customer focus versus innovation focus, I mean, one of our lead... One of our larger in size players in the market in the same space we are, they have been, you know, changing hands between from one equity firm to another. And and each time they change hands, the new equity firm buys more companies and puts them together with a parent company. So at this point, there are about nine, nine or 10 uh, X products under one roof. And out of the nine products, eight of them are out of business and one is still moving forward and the other eights are being decommissioned one after another. And when you look at them closely and you say why they're no longer in this space, yeah, they got purchased. However, the reason they're not there is because from the very beginning, there was so much, so little innovation in their skin. There was... There was nothing innovative that you can't walk away from. So as a product, you need to be, you need to define where you stand. You know, are you bringing something really new to the market or you're just reacting to traditional legacy uh, exercises? Yes. Uh, Or are you just like, oh, I can do this for you cheaper, which is another ridiculous thing when one thinks that uh, the applicant tracking system or the candidate tracking system that a staffing company is using is automating their core business. And it's the most precious of anything that they could be subscribing to or paying for. I, I wanna go back to your comment around, you would never believe we would be at the point that we are today when you first started 
Job Diva. And this is my favorite question I ask of every guest who comes on the show, but I'm going to make it a two-parter for you. Let's say I had the opportunity to put you in the Wayback Machine when you either, and you can choose where you want to go, either when you first started your career or as a first-time CEO. The two questions I have for you is, what's the one thing that still today as a CEO surprises you along the way? And number two, what would you tell yourself when you were first starting your career the first time that you were in the CEO chair based on what you know today? When I started Job Diva, and even before I started Job Diva, I had shortcomings, and I'll tell you serious shortcomings. I still have many shortcomings. I'm still learning. Uh, but That's good. I, one, of, one of the my biggest shortcomings was the fact that I never launched a product onto the market. So I, I had no clue about the path through which products go through. I was... Before that, an engineer, if you were to ask me questions about databases and languages and the like, I could answer them. And I was also a staffing person. I knew how to negotiate uh, a job with both a client and a candidate. And suddenly I'm launching a product onto the market that I think I know now a little more than I did back then. When launching a product such as Job Diva, I, I was launching a B2B solution. And the exercise is very different from launching a retail solution. The decision-making by the buyer, the buyer is a B, and many times the decision-makers, the larger the potential client is, the lesser the decision-makers' alliance with the company's interests. So buyers don't buy like Ottomans. They don't buy for an economically optimal model. And that was a little disappointing because I was trying to bring value and I was like wanted every buyer to be very sensitive to the value. Meanwhile, the buyer had other priorities because the buyer was not an individual that stood for the company. So they might be an IT department that has its own priority or a sourcing department that has a different priority or recruiting department. So I went back to school not physically back to school, but I went back to the library. And it was the first time I started reading um, books about deployment. And the two authors that stood out, and I read a lot, is a gentleman called Jeffrey Moore, who whose career was an NYU professor. He was yeah. a teacher for Alan, Alan Greenspan, was one of his students. And yeah. Jeffrey Moore wrote about the deployment of products into the market. And his famous... A book, I think one of his famous books is Crossing the Chasm. Yes. How how you go from being a startup to being mainstream. But then the other guy who had great influence on my learning is a gentleman called Clayton Christensen. And he described the difficulties when you're delivering innovation and value, the, the obstacles, the pushbacks you get. And if it weren't for what I read, uh, I would have probably signed myself up in the nut house because I was looking at myself in the mirror and saying, I'm bringing this incredible value, this life-changing, business-changing, we're growing clients by leaps and bounds, and why doesn't everyone seize it? And when I read these two authors and I read the material about adoption, I realized why. I also learned a lot about... Uh, Behavioral economics, even when it's a consumer whose interest 
he or he he or she represent they represent and even though they would be doing things economically to the best of their interest many times people don't operate as theoretically rationally you know quote rationally as as they could so these are areas i would have liked to be studying when i was in my 20s not when i was in my mm-hmm. 40s launching job deal <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a, that's so it, 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 it's fascinating. There is no regret, you know, there is no regret. But I think as a CEO, I grew by learning through these difficulties that I had to overcome. Yes, that's great stuff. And for our younger listeners, Jeffrey Moore's Crossing the Chasm is a must read, it's still absolutely, absolutely relevant, yeah. um, and has staying power for sure. I appreciate all your comments around constant learning. It's one of the things that I tell younger people entering into the workforce. It's a journey. It never stops. It's one of the gifts that we have as humans and as people in technology is that there's always something new there. So that that's really fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Dia, before we go, and thank you for coming on and, and sharing, um, tell our listeners where they can connect with you best. And if they're looking for a great candidate tracking system, where they can get in touch with Jobdiva. Yeah, thank you very much for uh, offering me this announcement. So uh, I read almost every email I receive, I, every email I receive, and I could be reached at Dia, my first name, D-I-Y-A dot obeyed, O-B-E-I-D, at jobdiva.com. And uh, reaching out to us to provide you a demo and an overview of JobDiva can be done by reaching out to contact, C-O-N-T-A-C-T at jobdiva.com, along with the contact information on the website. And we're very grateful for our clients, naturally, who validate who we are. And we also thanks to everyone who ever reached out to us. And we hope to continue to be in, in contact with them up until they are on board with JobDiva. Terrific. And thank you for coming on the show and for your partnership. We appreciate it. Best of luck as we forge ahead in 2021. And as we said at the uh, top of the conversation, next time we'll do this in person. So thank you again. For our listeners, always remember, keep the faith, keep grinding, keep safe, and we will see you next time on Hiring University. Thank you, Dia. Thanks, John.